Have you ever been real with God? In the Psalms, people like us are talking to God and expressing the overflow of their hearts. From praise to pain to poetry, the authors of the Psalms express the full range of human emotions. God loves our emotions. In fact, He created them, and He isn't afraid of our real thoughts. You see, He invites us to an intimate relationship with His Son, Jesus. And intimacy requires honesty. What would happen if we peeled back the layers and revealed our true emotions to God? What would happen if we opened ourselves to real talk? What would happen if we were honest to God? Well, good morning, Calvary family. How are you today? Are you glad to be in God's house today? Come on, praise the Lord if you're glad to be here. Kicking off a brand new series called Honest to God. This is Real Talk. And, uh, you know, really the heart of this is that we would grow in what it means to be authentic in our relationship with the Lord, in our conversation with the Lord. I don't know why it is that as children of God, we are sometimes apprehensive to be honest. Maybe sometimes we feel like uh, it would be disrespectful or dishonoring to tell God how we really feel. How many of you know God already knows how you really feel even before you pray? Right? How many guys know that God knows what you're thinking even before you pray and as you're praying. So it's kind of funny how sometimes we want to pretend and make it sound more spiritual than it really is. Good morning, Lord. I'm so glad to be in your presence this morning. He's like, liar. You wish you were in bed asleep right now. But he loves it when we say, God, my flesh wants to be asleep right now. But I love you so much I had to get up anyway. How many of you guys know there's a difference in those things? And and so this whole series is, is talking about how as children of God, we be honest with our Heavenly Father. I know as a dad uh, that my kids do not hold back at all. They shoot straight. They just call it like it is when they want to tell me something. Like even Kelly Grace, sweet Kelly Grace, sweetest of all my children. Now, I'm not just saying that. My other kids will tell you that. I mean, Kelly Grace is just sweet. She will encourage you. If you're ever having a bad day, just call Kelly Grace. She will say something nice to you. She will encourage you. But one day she was trying to encourage me. But, you know, kids will just tell you like it is. They don't have a filter, right? She said, Dad, I want you to know, I still think that you're handsome. <laughs> Even with those big ears. Dad, I still think. She just said that. I was like, really? That big? I mean, she just said it. Trying to be sweet. Jordan, my five-year-old. I mean, he just, he's so loving. He's not as sweet as Kelly Grace, but he's so loving. He, he, he just, like, will say just the sweetest thing. So he'll come up and he'll hug Casey and me, and he'll go, oh, I just love you so much. I love both of you. All I need is Jesus and my family. That's what he'll say. He just says it like that. Oh, that's so sweet. One day he said to me, he said, Dad, I love you more than pizza. I'm like, oh, buddy, that's sweet. That's, that's a lot. Thank you so much. Thanks for saying that. He said, yeah, yeah. I, I even love you more than, more than hot chocolate. I'm like, whoa, man, you really do love me. That's a lot. Thank you, Jordan. And then he said, yeah, I even, I love you. I love you more than cotton candy. I know, I don't love you more than cotton candy. 
Come on, you know, everybody's got a line. You got to draw the line somewhere. I mean, he said, he said, I don't love you more than cotton candy because I really like cotton candy, but I do love you. I said, hey, I just appreciate the honesty. You know, I'm just glad that you're willing to tell me where I really stand. Well, this Honest to God series is a study of the book of Psalm, which is filled with psalms or songs that for the Israelites, this would be somewhat of a worship playlist, if you will. Uh, They not only would have these psalms to be sung, but they were studied. And through the study and the understanding of these different songs, they learned much about their understanding of God. It not only helped them in their understanding of God, but it, it provided for them and it provides for us a model of how to process all of life's ups and downs. It gives us a, a bit of a, a road map, if you will, on, on how to wrestle with, with good times, with difficult times, with how to rightly navigate our feelings and our emotions. You have to understand that while uh, the book of Psalm has at least eight different authors, David was the lead songwriter. He wrote uh, so many more than others, approximately 70 plus psalms written at least by David. And yet David was no different from you or me in the sense that David had good days and he had bad days. Anybody ever had a bad day in, in your life? Come on. Anybody had a rough week? Anybody had a rough month? Anybody had a rough year? Anybody want to put two hands in the air on a rough life? That's just life, right? David was no different. He had times of confusion. He had times of frustration. He had times of disappointment. And what you find in these Psalms is it would be gut-wrenching, gut-level, honest, unfiltered conversations with God. They didn't try to pretend. They didn't try and over-spiritualize it. They did not hold back, but they shared what they were feeling and how they worked through that with who God is and how he helped them. And I believe that we're going to learn a lot from these songs. We're going to learn a lot about ourselves, learn a lot about God, and we're going to begin appropriately in chapter 1. Now, it's interesting to me Knowing that we're about to go in this series, we're about to go on a roller coaster ride of all kinds of feelings and, and scenarios and, and stories that we will identify with. When we look at their pain, we'll think of our pain. When we look at their confusion, we'll think of our confusion. So we're about to be all over the place. But before we go on this ride, God intentionally starts this out in chapter 1 by giving us an anchor to hold on to as we prepare to go on this ride. I want to read the entire chapter of Psalm chapter 1. Stand to your feet, please, for the reading of God's Word. If you have your copy of the Bible, go ahead and turn to Psalm chapter 1. If you don't have your copy of God's Word with you, the Scripture will be on the screen. We're going to read the whole chapter, but don't freak out. It's only six verses, all right? Psalm chapter 1, if you're ready for this, say, "Uh uh-huh, and if you're really ready, say, bring it. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1, blessed, somebody say blessed. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step. 
and step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight, blessed is, but whose delight, blesses the one, whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his laws day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do, it says what? Prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Let's pray. God, I thank you that your word is already anointed. I thank you, Lord, that today you have something specific you want to speak to each heart. Lord, I know it's not by chance that every single person that is here is here because there's something that you want to show us and speak to us. So I pray that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you want to reveal to us. Give us hearts that are willing to understand and embrace and live out because we want to experience your blessing in your favor, in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Before you're seated, tell two or three people, I'm going to get something out of this if it kills me, all right? And then you can have a seat. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, God wants to bless you. Tell your other neighbor, you need a blessing. I can tell by the way you look today, you just need a, you need a double blessing. Some people came to church today needing a triple blessing. <laughs> How many of you want to be blessed in your life? Come on. How many of you want the blessing of God on your family? How many of you want the blessing of God on your work? How many of you want the blessing of God on your finances? Come on now. You see everybody starts clapping. I even got a woo over here. Did you hear that? You start to, oh, yes, Lord, bless that bank account. Help me, Lord. Well, I love how right out of the gate, starting this book, God removes all mystery. He takes all of the guesswork out of it, and he clearly tells us right here in this passage how to experience God's blessing in your life. We're going to see this. It's going to be clear. You will know when you leave today how to experience the blessing of God in your life. Are you ready for that? Well, in verse 1, it starts off and he says, well, here's what you don't do, all right? So that's always important to pay attention to. Here's the first thing we learn. Don't do this. Do not walk with the wicked. Some of y'all, that you just need to start right there and apply that. And like, Yes, Lord. Okay, I, I, I'm ready. You don't, don't stand with sinners and don't sit with mockers. That's verse 1. Don't do that. And then in verse 2, he says, but this is what you want to do. This is where you want to go. Verse 2, but instead, if you want to be blessed, those who are blessed are those who do this. They delight in the law of the Lord, and they meditate on his law day and night. Notice that he contrasts two groups of people. You've got those who he calls righteous and those he refers to as unrighteous. The righteous are those who follow the path of God's word. Those who are unrighteous are those who reject that path and they follow their own path. They want to follow their own direction. 
They want to go the way of the pleasures of this world. And yet they give us, in Scripture here, God gives us two destinations. One path leads to God's destination of blessing and favor and prosperity. The other path leads to self-destruction and God's judgment. And what's interesting to me as a pastor is how many people I will talk with who are going against the ways of the Lord, who are not following God's word, they are not following God's path or God's plan, and then they get at the destination of where that path leads them and then want to get mad and angry at God. You ever met anybody like that? You ever been somebody like that? Come on, let's just be real. We don't do what the Bible says. And then we get what we get when we don't do what the Bible says. And we wonder, how did I get here? And so God says, let me clear this up for you. Let me just make sure that this is as plain and simple as possible. If you want to be blessed, follow my word. And then he gives us this picture of what that means and and what it looks like. Look at this picture in verse 3. That person is like a tree. A tree planted by streams of water. This tree planted by streams of water yields its fruit. There's fruit there in season and whose leaf does not wither. Look at this. Whatever they do, what? Prospers. It's a beautiful picture painted where the words of the psalmist is this song that just says this. You want to be blessed? You want to be planted by streams of water? You want to produce fruit? You want to prosper in all that you do? He's saying, here's the key. Here's the answer. The key to God's blessing is that you would be anchored to God's word. There's no guesswork. There's no what if and what about and how does it look. And and, and if I were to say today, how many of you, honestly, how many of you believe that the Bible is God's word? Come on, who believes that? How many of you believe that God's word is inspired, that it is holy? Come on, how many guys believe that? How many believe that the Bible contains God's promises for you? How many guys know that? How many of you know that God's word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path? It will show you the way to go. Come on, who believes that? Now listen, how many guys know that if you follow God's promises in his plan, you will be blessed in your life? Come on, who believes that today? Do you believe it? So here's what's so funny to me about me is that I really believe that. So why do I not devote more time, more attention, and more focus to meditating on the Word of God and following the Word of God than I do when I know what it leads to? Come on, it's another breakdown between our belief and our behavior. Tell your neighbor, you need this right here. Listen up. You need this. Here's what you got to know as we're about to get in this. This is not a message of guilt or condemnation. All right, so my assignment for today is not like, go and make everybody feel guilty about not reading the Bible enough. Okay, I got that and a few verses to support me. I think I got this. This is not to tear you down but to build you up. It's to say you want to be blessed? Here's how to be blessed. Here's how to experience God's favor. Here's how to experience God's prosperity that he has for you. Are you ready for this? Say amen. Because my question is, if people don't do it. If I struggle to do it, why? 
Like, why do we not do more of this? And as I thought about that, to answer that question, there are three simple things I'm about to give you. So if you're a note taker, note takers are history makers, all right? So you go ahead and take notes. If you're like, I got a photographic memory, then we'll put it on the screen here. You blink, and then you'll have it. Okay, here's what it's going to be. Three reasons why we don't chase the Word of God. We don't meditate on the Word of God. We don't live the Word of God the way that we should. Number one, it's because we do not crave the Word as we should. We don't crave it. We're not hungry for it. We don't desire it. Listen to how the psalmist would sing this. Psalm 119, verse 97, and verse 103 says this. The psalmist sings and writes, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. How sweet are thy words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Now, come on, how many of you start your day reading the Bible like that? Come on, let's just be honest. Come on, this series is called Honest to God. And you start, oh, Lord, your words are like honey to my lips. Oh, Lord, I just love to devour it. Lord, they're like choice morsels. Oh, Lord, I just love to feed. Most of us don't. We just feel like, man, if I can knock out a chapter a day to keep the devil away, I'll just count myself blessed. If I can get from one bold printed number to the next, I'll just say a hallelujah. We don't crave it. We don't desire it. We're not hungry for it. We're not longing for it. But you do understand that if if we started talking about what is that you're hungry for, everybody's hungry for some money. Everybody's going to crave some barbecue ribs. Everybody's hungry and craving a little bit of attention. You know I'm speaking truth. If I started talking about those barbecue ribs for about 30 seconds, I'd lose half of y'all. And I don't mean just your attention span. I mean literally like you'd get up and walk out. You'd be like, yeah, preacher, that's good stuff. Let's go practice that preaching right now. Let's just go and do that. If a friend came up and started talking about like, hey, man, I found something on how you can triple like your income and it is so easy. Here's what happened, Mike. Do you want me to tell you how to, you'd be like, I am hungry for that. Yes. We have cravings. We have desires. But when it comes to the word of God, most of us do not live there. But listen to how, how we're admonished in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. It says, like newborn babies, we are to crave Pure spiritual milk. The New King James and the New American Standard Bible says we are to crave the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Crave it. Desire it. Be hungry for it. But what do you do when you look at it and go, man, that sounds good and I wish I could, but, but I just want to, I, I don't have that hunger. I mean, when it comes to physical food, like if my wife says to me, hey, honey, can you help? I, I need something for the garage. If I'm in the middle of something, I'll probably say, sure, in just a minute when I get a chance. And she said, hey, w- 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 are, would you come and take the garbage out? Sure, after I get done what I'm doing. But how many of you know when she says, dinner time, I'm like, I'm here. Right? I'm hungry for something. Right? And so if you just take that physical analogy, what happens is you got to understand that we don't naturally crave healthy food or nutrition. Our body may be wanting nutrition. We, we would crave that. But our physical, our flesh, we don't naturally have cravings for foods that are just, have you ever heard anybody say, I'm just craving kale right now. Anybody ever heard that before? Have you, have you ever said that before? 
Like you woke up in the morning and go, mm, I, just, mm, I just want some broccoli today. I just want some broccoli. Anybody ever said that? Nobody ever says that. But your body desires nutrition. Your body's hungry for fuel. But we have to move past cravings for Krispy Kreme donuts. Andy's frozen custard. Y'all like, you better stop, preacher. I will leave on you right now. You better stop. Here's what you have to understand. Is that a healthy appetite can be cultivated. It's cultivated out of a desire for something that is deeper than our carnal cravings. Your healthy appetite is cultivated when you prioritize what you really want over what you think that you want. My brother-in-law, Austin, my, 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 my wife Casey's brother, he um, years back found out that he had a brain tumor. And it was a obviously very serious situation. And in the, the days leading up to his surgery, there were some sobering conversations that had to take place. The what if conversations. Some of you have experienced that talk or been in situations like that and you know what a reality check those conversations can be. Preparing to go into the surgery and all the what ifs and what abouts he was thinking about his wife and I believe he had three children at the time and, and what, what if and, and how would and let's think this through. Well, by the grace of God and, and with great medical help, he made it through the surgery, and it was as successful as it could be. But then there were still some things that he could do post-surgery. And one of the things that he could do is to change his lifestyle, getting more exercise, specifically paying attention to his diet, which was really, really funny and ironic because Austin was kind of always this prankster, this jokester who would, you know, eat whatever, do whatever, and he would always make fun of uh, his sister, my wife, Casey, because she was always going to be healthy, always going to, you know, eat healthy, and he'd always give her a hard time. Like, even to this day, she's so healthy. We'll go somewhere, and, and, and we'll be looking at the menu, and I'm trying to figure out what I want, and she'll be going, oh, no, this right here, that only has such and such calories, and oh, this right here, and I'm like, hey, I didn't come here to order calories. I came here for the chili cheese dog. It's like, oh, you don't want that because it's that. No, I really do. I really do. I want the chili cheese dog. And so he would always give her a hard time. And he'd make fun of it because she would be all about vitamins. She'd be all about essential oils, and those things are helpful. And so she would be very committed to that, and he would just make fun of her. But now that he has gone through this wake-up call, And now that he's experienced such a significant shift, he's now trying to stay away from sweets and treats and and, and, and not a whole lot of sugar and, and things like this. And here's what I want you to get. It's not that all of a sudden he ceased to have a craving for cupcakes. It's just his love and desire for his wife and children are greater than his desire for cupcakes that caused him to make a a shift to where now he values what he really wants more for something that he might want, but he wants extremely less. Is this making sense to you? So now here he is today, such a significant life change to where he's not on eating healthier, but his whole career changed. He actually, his career now is in the health food industry, and it's just hilarious to us. What a shift. 
And it makes me, what would happen in our own lives if we looked at it and realized I can continue to feed on all of the messages in this world, but when I look at it and realize that all of that stuff has an effect on the way I think, and so I'm watching a bunch of crazy stuff, I'm listening to a bunch of crazy stuff, I'm being entertained by a bunch of crazy stuff, and I'm wondering why my brain and my mind is filled with fear. Hello. What if we realize something that we want deeper is the peace of God? And whenever I feast on the word of God, now all of a sudden I'm bolstered by the promises of God. I have promises from God, and that gives me strength to stand even when my world is getting crazy. If I will retrain my appetite, and I will feed what I want to grow, and I will starve what I want to die. Listen, when it comes to craving the word of God, this is a non-negotiable for me. I have to have it. I have to have it because my life depends on this book. My family depends on this book. I'll be facing things as I go through my day today that cause me to say, God, I have to have your word. Your word is what I want. Your word is what I need. Somebody say, crave it. A lot of people don't seek the Word of God. They don't live the Word of God because they don't crave it. And then here's a second reason, number two. Not only do we not crave it, but sometimes we don't chase it because, number two, we don't understand it. Can we be real for just a minute? There are some verses that are easy to understand. Love one another. You don't need to sit back and go, well, I wonder what that means in the Greek. Love one another. When it says forgive one another, you don't need to dissect that. You don't need a oh, dissertation. You don't need a, a four-month-long study on it. What does it mean to love one another, to forgive one another, to be kind to one another? Go ahead and do that. That's what it means. But what's the title of this series, Honest to God? Can we be honest for just a minute? Sometimes you bump into a verse, and you're like, oh, man, that's, that's I ain't got a clue. What that mean? Come on, be honest. You ever read anything? Anybody ever read Leviticus before? Come on, let me see your hand. You ever tried to? You ever been in Leviticus before and you're like, mmm, mmm, that's good right there, God. Oh, yes. Mildew on the walls. Praise you, Lord. Oh, yes. Yes. Yes, Lord, the lepers, unclean. Yes, God, let that happen. No, Lord, don't let that happen in my. You ever read Leviticus and just wonder, I don't even have a clue what that's talking about right there? Come on, sometimes you'll be reading the Bible and you'll just find yourself stuck for that day in a genealogy. Anybody ever get stuck in a genealogy and couldn't find your way out? <laughs> You're just trying to be a, a good Christian, loving Jesus. I'm going to read the Bible. So-and-so begat so-and-so, all right? And then so-and-so begat so-and-so. Okay. And then so-and-so begat so-and-so, and they begat so-and-so, and they lived 112 years. Praise the Lord. And then so-and-so begat so-and-so who begat so-and-so, and they became this family and this tribe, and they like, okay, praise the Lord. And then they begat, and then they begat, and then they begat, and they begat, and they begat, and they begat, and you get down to the end, and you're just like, <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> Can we be real? Now, we know Leviticus is in there for a reason. And we know that genealogy means something. But sometimes it's hard to understand. Sometimes we don't get it. How many of you understand that the devil is okay if you read your Bible as long as you don't get it and live it? He doesn't mind 
if you memorize scripture as long as it doesn't make sense to you, you can memorize the whole genealogy. The devil doesn't care. I think we should be more like what the psalmist prayed in Psalm 119, verse 18. Listen to this, Psalm 119, verse 18. The psalmist prayed, open my eyes so that I could see the wonderful things in your law. That would be a great verse to memorize and to sing it, to say it right before you go to read your Bible. As a matter of fact, I will find myself on days when I have, out of my discipline, out of my conviction, out of my habits, my spiritual habits, I will, I will jump into the Word of God. Why? Because it's important. I will start my day with the Word of God. Why? Because I need it. But I will find myself, this is real talk, being honest with you, don't judge me. I will find myself three, four verses into it, Realizing my brain is not even engaged in what I'm reading. And I'll have to stop and back up. Don't look at me like you judge. I feel it right now. You look at me like, and he says he's a man of God. Listen. I'll stop and back up because what, why, what I try to do, and I do this most every day, is before I start reading the Bible, I'll pray what I prayed before we started this message today. I'll pray, God, open my eyes to see. And my ears to hear what you want to show me and speak to me through your word. I pray that I would have a heart to, to receive it, a mind to understand it. And I pray that I will live this out. And you know what? When I take just a minute to align my heart with God and to ask him to help me understand what I'm reading, it's a game changer. My mind is engaged. And so scripture is saying we're supposed to Think on it, meditate on it, process it, asking questions like, what does this mean? What does it look like at my job? What does this look like in my marriage? What does this look like in my parenting? And what you'll find as you begin to meditate on the Word of God is that meditation will lead to revelation. As you're pondering, as you're processing, and you're holding it before the Lord, God will begin to speak to you. Don't be okay with just reading it and you don't understand, but you're going to move along. If you were in, trapped in a building and, and the building was on fire, they came over the intercom and said, everybody out as quickly as you can. There is a map right there next to you on how to get out. If you grabbed that map and you knew that you needed to get out and you, your first glance you didn't understand the map, you would not in that moment go, well, it's just boring. I don't know. It's just, it's just it doesn't, I don't get it. I'm just going, you know, they don't, it, it's not, there's not enough pretty colors on here. There's not enough infographics on here. No pie charts. You know, nothing like that. I just don't like, look, when this is the map on how to get out and save your life, how many guys know you'll turn it upside down, you'll turn it around again, you'll hold it up to a light until you figure out what the map says, right? When it comes to eternity, this is the road map. When it comes to living a blessed life, these are your instructions. You can't just look at that and at first glance when you don't get it say, oh, well. Anybody ever been to an escape room before? You know those things. that they, Come on, wave at me if you've ever been to one of those escape rooms. You know, they get in there, everybody all huddled up. You're going to try and beat this other team. You're going to try and get this certain time. And you, you wouldn't be in there with your group on that very first room. And you start reading the instructions. You start going over clues. And you look at it and go, I don't know. I don't know. Any idea? No, it doesn't make sense. Hello, we're done. <laughs> Didn't make sense. What enough humor in here in the instructions. The clues didn't entertain us. 
Why? What you'd say is, huh, let's look at that again. Huh, let's think about that again. Huh, what could that mean? Why? Because this is the key to get me out of where I am to where I want to be. You're not going to give up. Can I tell you that God's Word wants to unlock all kinds of doors in your life if you just be committed to studying it, to thinking on it, to meditating on it? Get it in your heart. Chew on the things of God. It will change your appetite. It will change your thought life. You will get smarter. Who wants to get smarter? Come on, tell your neighbor right now, you need need to get us a little bit smarter. You could use a little bit more wisdom. So think on it. Meditate on it. And it's critical that I understand it. Get it in your heart. Listen to worship songs. Man, I, just about any time I can, if, if I'm not reading my Bible, I try to have worship on. In my car, I play worship. In the morning when I'm showering, I'm singing praise and worship to God. Not because I can sing, but in the shower, I can sing. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, when I'm singing, you know what I'm doing? I'm rehearsing the promises of God, who he is, who I am in Christ. It is in me. I'm singing those psalms to the Lord. And it's shaping my thoughts. It's shaping my attitude. You should be doing this with your kids. For those of you that have families around the dinner table, talk about the Word of God. Because they will begin to connect dots. They will begin to understand it. Deuteronomy says that we're supposed to impress them on our children. And you're going out. And you're coming in. And you're walking through life. Think on the Word of God. I know that sometimes it may not make sense at first glance, but don't give up. It's worth it. Somebody say, it's worth it. Let me give you this third and this final reason why I think a lot of people don't live out the Word of God. Some people don't crave it, so they don't eat it. They don't study it. Some people don't understand it, so they give up on it. They don't press in on it. But then the third reason a lot of us do not live out the Word of God, number three, is because we don't like it. Some of you are like, he just said that in church. He just said that right there in church. We don't like it. Is this series called Honest to God? Can I be honest with you? There are times I don't like the Word of God. You say, well, why would you say such a thing? Because there are some things I love about the Word of God. I love it when he talks about the blessings. I love it when he talks about how much he loves me. I love it when he talks about how he's going to provide for me. I love it when he talks about how I want to prosper. But then he'll slip something in there like, forgive your enemies. (laughs) And I can say, yes, Lord, that's wonderful. But since he already knows my heart and my mind, I'm going, seriously? That's what I say when I read that. You know why? Because I don't like to love my enemies or forgive my enemies. But when you start reading the Bible, you'll see that David prayed things like this. Lord, people are attacking me. Lord, people are coming against me. I ask for fire to come from heaven right now in Jesus' name and strike. May may they be dashed, Lord, against the rock. He says it because he's being honest. But then he works through it. Some of us don't work through it. Strike them, Lord. No, on second thought, Lord, I've had time to reflect. Strike them twice, Jesus. Get them, God. You saw what they said. They don't love you like I love you. Get them, Lord. We feel like that. Sometimes we don't do the Bible thing because we don't like what it says. So we've got a choice if that's where we're going to stay or we're going to move through it. James refers to God's word as a mirror. It's a mirror. 
The Word of God is a mirror by which we can accurately see ourselves. Sometimes you like when you look in a mirror. Sometimes. Sometimes you step in front of the mirror, you're like, mmm, this dress looks just as good on me as I thought it would when I bought it. Yes. I'm talking to the ladies, fellas. I'm talking to the ladies right there. Sometimes the fellas look in and be like, oh, I've been working out a little tight right there in the sleeve. I like that. I like the way this looks. Sometimes you look in the mirror and you don't like your hair. You're looking like, oh, my word. Come on. Oh, man, spiritual warfare going on under my hair right now. I need, I need deliverance. I need, I need this. Needs. Some of you, like, this is for the 40-plus crowd, but we, we looked in the mirror and we're like, who is that? Come on, do you remember when you had that moment? Were you just like, I look like my dad. Have you ever had that feeling before? It's like, my word. Has it been 15 years since I looked in a mirror? It's like last night those wrinkles came. While I was asleep, that's when it came. Sometimes I don't like the blemishes that I see. I don't start cursing the mirror. I don't say, that's it. I will never look into you again. No, instead I realize it's just this honest reflection of something that I might want to do something about my situation. Go ahead and brush my hair. Maybe you need a little cream for your face. Maybe you need to change dresses. Maybe, but that mirror helped me to rightly assess what I need to do. God's Word is a mirror, and there will be times that God is showing you something and speaking something to you, and you don't get to pick and choose what you listen to and do. You can't read it with a highlighter in one hand going, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, and then scissors in the other hand. No, let's cut that part out right there. You can't do that. If you're going to be blessed, you've got to take God's Word in its totality, and you've got to get it into your heart, meditate on it, and then you've got to do something with it. Listen to James chapter 1, verse 22. It says, Do not merely listen to the Word, and so deceive yourselves. Hear this. It's so admirable that you came to church today, and I mean that sincerely. Some of you had a fight to get here today. Some of you had to overcome all kinds of reasons. There are people not in here today because of a speed bump that got in their way. Disagreement with their spouse or stayed up too late last night or the rain kept, whatever. But there are people in this room that you would not be denied and you got here because you wanted to be in the presence of God. And I commend you for that. But can I just tell you that more importantly than reading your Bible, which is important, more important than getting into a, a, a study group, a Bible study, where you go deeper in things. That's important. You ought to do it. More important than just coming on a Saturday night or a Sunday morning. I'm glad that you do. But the blessing is not in the hearing. The blessing is in the doing. James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. What does it say? Do what it says. Do it. The blessing is in the doing. When you begin to do the Word of God, you will unlock the blessings of God. You will experience the favor of God. 
the picture of the tree planted by the water, producing fruit, whose leaf does not wither. It doesn't say that it never rained. It doesn't say that the winds never blew. It doesn't say that there weren't storms all around the tree. It's just a picture that through all of life's ups and downs, the tree was planted by the water. It was sustained by its root system. God wants you to be anchored to the Word of God. He wants you to love it. He wants you to learn it. He wants you to live it. You're going to be blessed by it when you get it in your heart and you walk it out in your life. I look at my life. I've experienced some amazing victories and some crushing defeats. I look at my life and there are days that I feel like I'm on top of the world. Then there are other days I feel like the entire world is collapsing on top of me. There are days that I live and it feels like the sun is shining and the birds are singing. And there are other days that I wonder if there's ever going to be a break in the storm. But I'm here to tell you that through it all, the Word of God is my anchor. The promises of God sustain me. The truth of God upholds me. Be anchored to the Word. Hold on to the Word. Meditate on the Word. Cling to the Word of God. It will be a map to guide your light, to lead your sword, to defend you. You've got to have the word if you're going to know what decisions to make, what career to pursue, where should I go to school, which house should I buy, how do I handle these relationships at work, how do I handle my money, how do I bless my kids, how do I have a healthy marriage. It's all found in this book. Get into the word of God and get the word of God into you. And as you do that, you will find when the enemy comes against you and he wants to tell you that you're defeated, you can say, oh, devil, you're a little late. I already got the word of God in me, and it tells me that I am an overcomer. It tells me that I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Devil, you're too late. When he tries to tell you that you're on your own, you'll say, oh, too late. I've been meditating on the Word of God, and it tells me that he will never leave me, and he will never forsake me. My God is an ever-present help in a time of trouble. I know in whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep me. He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. Hold on to the Word of God. I know that you may be going through a storm, but you can be anchored. Hold on to the Word of God. I know that sometimes it gets scary. Sometimes life is coming straight at your face. But I want you to know that the sword of the Spirit can be your defense. Hold on to the Word of God. God's Word is our anchor. So I want to pray over you today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Perhaps God is speaking to your heart right now about some areas. He's saying, hey, you don't crave it like you ought to. Why don't you quit feeding on all the other stuff? Why don't you quit eating on all of the junk that leads to fear, that leads to anxiety, that leads to turmoil? You're more committed to to CNN or Fox or USA Today than you are to my word. Come on, that's not condemnation. That's real talk right there. Feed your soul what brings you peace. Feed your mind what brings you clarity of thought. Feed your heart the promises of God, not the fears of this world. Do you hear me today? Lord, help us all to have eyes to see and ears to hear, to hunger after your word. God, help us to understand it. Help us, Lord, to study it. 
Help us, Lord, to get devotionals and study tools that come alongside to gain insight. And, Lord, more than anything, I I pray that by your grace you will help us to live it out, to walk in truth, that you would order our steps for the steps of a righteous man or woman or ordered of God. I pray that in Jesus' mighty name. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I want to pray for one other group. There's no doubt in my mind. Listen, there are people in here today, and if you were going to be gut-level honest about where you are, you'd have to acknowledge that you're not walking with God. When you study the Bible from the very beginning in Genesis till the very end in Revelation, here's what every single book of the Bible, every single chapter of every book, every single verse of every chapter will scream to you. It will tell you that there's a God who loves you, and he loves you so much that he wants relationship with you. Here's the story of the Bible. All of us have sinned and fallen short of God's perfect standard. None of us deserve God's blessing. None of us are good enough to get to heaven, but God's not okay with us having broken fellowship. God loves you. Yes, despite all that you've done. God loves you. Yes, despite all of the dirt. And I know last night you may have been uh, uh, on drugs. Last night you may have been at the club. This morning you may have been drinking on your way to the church service. But God loves you so much. That he sent Jesus Christ, his one and only son, to die on the cross so that you can live in heaven with him. God came to earth and died so that when we die on earth, we can go and live in heaven. And that promise is for you today, friend. Here, it's not for somebody else. I'm not talking to the religious group. I'm not talking about the people who've got their act all together. I'm talking about someone who's been broken by a life of sin. And today you realize, you're being honest, and you recognize, I need God's help. This is for you. And if you want that, if you recognize that you need that, God says that if you confess your sin and acknowledge you need a savior he is faithful and just to forgive you of all of your sin not some of it not a lot of it the dirtiest nastiest most shameful acts of sin he will wash you and make you white as snow do you want that today you can have it you can leave today knowing i'm right with god You can leave today knowing I'm going to heaven instead of hell. So I'm going to pray for you. And if you say, Scotty, you're talking to me. I need that relationship with Jesus. I want to surrender my heart to him. I want to make him Lord of my life. Or today, Scotty, I realize I've strayed from him and gone my own way. I've grown cold, and today I want to come back and recommit my life to Christ. If you want to pray that today and ask Jesus into your heart, just by an uplifted hand all over this room, I wonder how many of you would raise your hand and say, Scotty, when you pray, include me in that final prayer. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. Come on, hands up all over the room if you want to be in that prayer. Raise it up. Raise it up. Hands are going up all over this great auditorium. People saying, I'm ready to come to Jesus. So I want everybody, you can put your hands down. I want everybody in this room to pray this prayer out loud with me. Everyone say, dear God, thank you for your grace. Today I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I ask you to be Lord of my life. 
from this moment on, I'm going to follow you. You are my king. You are my priority. I belong to you. Say, thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving me a fresh start. Thank you for giving me a clean slate. Thank you for a new beginning. I can't wait to spend forever with you in heaven for all eternity. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said amen. Come on, let's praise the Lord together. Praise God for saving souls. Hey, for everybody who just prayed that prayer and you meant it, there's a slide on the screen that tells you your next step. What you just did was the starting line, not the finish line. Y'all want you to take that next step of just filling out that card that's in your bulletin. Or you can text your name to that number and let us know, today I made a decision to follow Jesus. We want to celebrate with you. We want to give you a Bible if you need a Bible. Answer any questions that you may have. But please take that next step so we can follow up together. Could you please stand to your feet all over this room? There are going to be uh, leaders and pastors across the front, especially if you want to come forward and say, hey, I prayed to commit my life to Christ. We would love to celebrate with you. But for everybody, before you leave, how many guys know that God wants to bless you? Come on, do you want the blessing of God on your life? I pray that as you leave, you'll go out with a greater hunger for the Word of God than you've ever had before. Cultivate that appetite. That you'll have a commitment to study the Word of God and learn it. But most important, that you'll live it out. I pray that God would bless you, that He'd make His face shine on you, that God would surround you with favor and give you His peace, and you'll experience the prosperity that comes from following the Word of God. I pray this and believe it in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. You can go in the grace of God. You're dismissed.